Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be together as your people today. And Lord, I just pray that now you would speak from your heart through my heart. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. My daughter is here this morning, and she'll have heard this before because uh, we say it to our kids all the time. In fact, my wife says it more, Misty says it more than I do. But we always say when the kids, especially when the boys were going out on a date or they're going out with friends or something like that, we would always say, remember who you are and whose you are. Remember who you are, that is, remember you're part of this family, you're representing us, but also remember whose you are. Remember that you belong to Christ and that as you go out, you're representing um, not only us, but Christ as well. And I think part of knowing who you are is knowing where you come from. And this summer I've done just had a little fun with a friend from church, and we've been doing a little genealogical research on the Yike family. You know, not too many yikes around, uh, if you haven't noticed. Uh, but uh, so as, the, as this has unfolded, we've discovered a few things, a few things we knew, a few things we didn't know. Um, but we found out that Michael Yike, and it used to be spelled J-E-I-C-H, I guess because German influence, uh, was a German-Swiss immigrant who came to the, the Penn Colony, the Pennsylvania, in the mid-1740s. Uh, he ended up fighting in the Revolutionary War. We found out all these interesting things. He was most likely a part of a German Reformed church uh, while he was um, here in, this, in what would be the United States. Uh, but at some point, Michael, my ancestor, moved his citizenship, if you will, from a colony to this new nation that we live in. Uh, and of course, citizenship is a pretty hot topic these days, and we're not gonna get into the political stuff, I promise. But July 4th is coming up, and so people in this country especially, I think, are thinking about this idea of citizenship. And there are also conversations taking place in the Christian world about how Christians, or how much Christians, should be engaged or disengaged uh, in the world, uh, how our citizenship is supposed to be lived out. Uh, just this last week, I was attending a conference, and one of the sessions of the conference was on the book called The Benedict Option. How many of you heard the, of that book? Yeah, so Ron Dreher, who actually is from Louisiana, like I am, uh, wrote this book where he's really arguing for, you know, the state of the world is getting worse, uh, things are not going to get better for Christians. What we ought to do is, and this is a very simplification, much of a simplification of his book, but what we need to do is just retreat, create these communities, and kind of try to live out, you know, our Christian life in that, in that way. Uh, he's drawing on Alistair McIntyre, who is a philosopher, and uh, who said that, in his opinion, continued full participation in mainstream society is not possible for people who want to live a life uh, that is of traditional virtue. Of course, it takes his name from St. Benedict of Nursia, who created the Benedictines and uh, these, these monastic orders. And you find even examples of this uh, today. We visited, Missy and I have visited uh, a group in Waco, Texas, uh, called Homestead Heritage. And they are an Anabaptist group that have kind of you know, withdrawn in some ways from the world uh, but also still remain engaged. And so, I, now I have to make a confession. I haven't read Dreyer's book, so I can't tell you for sure, you know, everything about it. Uh, but what I can tell you is that I agree with Dreyer that we need stronger 
communities of faith in order to live out the call of the gospel. But I'm not sure about the degree of disengagement from the world that he suggests. As Christians, I think we need to think about both citizenship and engagement. And I think the Apostle Paul challenges us to think about that in today's text. And I want to read verses 20 to 21 one more time. Paul writes and he says, But our citizenship, setting up a contrast here, but our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that, we, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Now, it's suggested by scholars that this may be part of a Christological hymn that's kind of inserted here, much like verse, uh, chapter 2 uh, has a Christological hymn. But Paul puts it here for a reason, for some reason. Um, and I think it's a good reason. I think he's wanting to make a point. He uses the word polituma, um, translated citizenship in most translations, and it's only found here this time in the New Testament. But I think it's more accurately translated either commonwealth or state. In fact, it's often used to designate a colony of foreigners, a colony of relocated veterans, perhaps, whose purpose was to secure the conquered country and to spread their, um, uh, their way of doing things, their customs, their culture, their laws, and so on. So perhaps Paul puts this here, this Christological piece, because it pro provides a final answer to this contrast that he has set up, a contrast between enemies of the cross and citizens of heaven enemies of the cross, and citizens of heaven. The colony of the enemies of the cross, Paul says, is focused on this world. They're worried about wealth, they're worried about their possessions, they're worried about things that are really temporary. But the colony of the citizens of heaven, Paul says, they are focused on heaven. And I don't think this just means that they're only focused on heaven and they don't see anything going on in the world around them. I don't think it's that kind of focus, but their ultimate focus, their ultimate aim is not to be conformed or to focus on this world. The minds of the enemies of the cross, Paul says, are earthly bound. It's as if they're stuck in the dirt, in the clay that surrounds them. But the minds of the citizens of heaven are fixed on the already and not yet kingdom of God. The enemies of the cross expect perfection in adherence to the law, keeping the law. But the citizens of heaven strive for the future where they will be perfected in Christ. Enemies of the cross stand as enemies of the crucified Christ, Paul says, but citizens of heaven confess Christ as Lord and see him sovereign over the entire universe. Perhaps Paul is reminding the Philippians to remember who you are and whose you are. So what kind of citizens are we going to be? Should we adopt this kind of withdrawal from the world represented by the Benedict option? Should we create enclaves of Christians and, and kind of cloister ourselves and huddle together and wait out? Or should we be fully engaged in the world, the other side of the coin? Should we run for political offices? Should we be engaged in the public square? Should we put all of our energy there? And are these our only two choices? 
Well, you probably know that I don't think so. <laughs> and you may not be surprised that I would like to suggest that we embrace the identity of the citizens of heaven that Paul describes. Paul reminds us that as citizens of heaven, we are a colony of foreigners. We exist in this world, but our ultimate citizenship, our ultimate allegiance is not to this world, yet we are called to live, live here. Paul reminds us that as citizens of heaven, we are to stand firm and live out that citizenship as we wait and expect the Lord Jesus' return. And in the larger context of Philippians, Paul reminds us that as citizens of heaven, we are to press on together toward the goal of becoming more and more like Christ. Perhaps, and you wouldn't be surprised at this since you know, well, some of you know that I'm a Wesley scholar, there may be another colony of foreigners that we might pattern our lives after as citizens of heaven. This colony of foreigners was very much engaged in the world around them. They also engaged each other in deep forms of community. They were like the monastics in their regular exercise of spiritual discipline and accountability and community. But they lived as everyday, ordinary missionaries, engaged in spreading the gospel to anyone who would listen. And through their organization, societies, and classes, and bands, they sought to become more and more like Jesus. John Wesley described Methodists as those who loved the Lord their God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, all their strength, and loved their neighbor as themselves. A colony of foreigners. A colony of heavenly citizens. And today, as we celebrate the Eucharist together, I think it is, as a means of grace, it is one of the ways we celebrate and we acknowledge our true citizenship. We remember that we are citizens of heaven. We are a colony of foreigners, and we are to stand firm and live out our citizenship as we wait and expect Jesus' return. We are to press on together toward the goal. So as you come to the table today, remember who you are and whose you are. In Jesus' name, amen.